Welcome to the Cruciform Podcast, following Jesus on his way to the cross. In this podcast, we talk about how to live a life that is poured out in serving Jesus and shaped by his sacrifice. Here is our host, Perry Stepp. Greetings from my apartment near Maximir Park in the heart of Zagreb, Croatia. Welcome to the Cruciform Podcast. Um, It's been a crazy few weeks since I posted the last episode of this podcast. Uh, I have moved out of my house on the mountain and into an apartment near Maximir Park, about a mile east of the center of Zagreb. I moved from a house of 150 square meters to a house of about 50 square meters, or an apartment of about 50 square meters, which is an interesting experience. And uh, But it's a good apartment. It's close to where my office is. Uh, Sam and I, my dog, uh, we enjoy walking around the part, the, uh, the neighborhood and the park. And it's been just really interesting, a really healthy place for us to be. I plan to be in Zagreb for another month. Today is March 15th, and I plan to leave Zagreb for the USA in the middle of April. And then my wife and I will be together in Kentucky for several several weeks and then come back here at the beginning of the summer and be here in Zagreb for the months of June and July before we return to the USA for a longer stay. I wanted to talk uh, today about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Talking about what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and how God uses the Spirit to change us. So the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Bible say about Him? What does the Bible say about His work in our lives? The, the Holy Spirit is mentioned several times in the Old Testament, several dozen times actually. And the Holy Spirit there is seen as giving power and wisdom and guidance to leaders, to prophets. It gives them their message to the craftsmen who are building the tabernacle and the temple. The Holy Spirit uh, inspires them as to how to do their work, tells them how God wants things built, how God wants things done. Uh, It's interesting, uh, several interesting passages talk about Samson uh, having the Holy Spirit come upon him as he is getting ready to kill all the Philistines. Uh, David, um, you have the scene where David is anointed. I think it's 2 Samuel, probably 1 Samuel 13. David is anointed and the Holy Spirit leaves Saul, who had been the king before, and comes to rest on David. And then David is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the picture in the Old Testament. And the general contours of the Old Testament idea are that the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon people for a period of time to enable them to do what God wants them to do, but it's not permanent. And it doesn't appear to be internal in the same way that it is in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament is much more of an internal thing. He he permanently indwells the believer. So in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is God's presence living in the believer. It is permanent in a way that it is not in the Old Testament. He is uh, the indwelling is permanent in a way that it's not in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit gives us life. Jesus says you can't be born again unless you're born of the Spirit and the water. Uh, In John 3, the Holy Spirit gives us freedom. He breaks the chains that bind us to our bad habits, our sinful attitudes, our mistakes, our shame from the past, shame and guilt. The Holy Spirit gives us power to obey God, power to resist temptation, wisdom to testify and to say the things that God wants us to say when we're in uh, in difficult situations. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives gifts that serve the church. 
this is probably the area where people spend the most attention and the most time thinking about the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts and you have gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongues which people spend a lot of time talking about. It's interesting that the New Testament also talks about other gifts like leadership and administration and, and evangelism and things like that which people don't seem to spend a whole lot of time on. And it's also interesting that people, when they talk about prophecy in the old, in the New Testament, prophecy by the Holy Spirit, they don't really seem to understand what prophecy is. Prophecy is simply speaking for God, being a mouthpiece for God. But this is all all wrapped together in the idea that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to Christians to serve the church. Let's look at Romans 8, the first 16 verses, and then talk about what this passage teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit. So Paul writes this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did this by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit. Who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather, fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Now, that passage focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does. And Paul says several important things here about the work of the Holy Spirit. The first thing he says in verse 9 is that the Holy Spirit dwells in every Christian. He says, if someone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every person who has committed themselves, who has received Jesus Christ, who has been baptized into him, has the Holy Spirit. You may not feel the Holy Spirit, and the way you experience the Holy Spirit may not be the same way someone else experiences him. But he is there. He is there. Why do we not feel the Holy Spirit? Why do we not always experience the Holy Spirit's power? Well, we don't experience Him because we have to yield to Him. 
we can resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living in us. The Holy Spirit's voice is available to us. His power is available to us. But we can resist Him. We don't have to listen to Him. We don't have to yield to Him. And so what we sometimes do is we sometimes fight. We sometimes resist. There are perhaps a number of reasons why we resist the Holy Spirit. One reason is we don't like giving up control. The Holy Spirit does things in unexpected ways. The Holy Spirit does things that sometimes don't seem uh, safe to us or don't seem logical to us because the way that the Holy Spirit looks at things is not the way that we always look at things. Uh, Second is it's not our nature to see things the way the Holy Spirit sees them. The way that we see the world, the way that we think about life, our responses to it are frequently colored by our sinful nature, colored by the flesh. And so we resist. We cling to our old ways of thinking, our old ways of seeing, and we shut the Holy Spirit down. This is important. It's important to know this. God's power lives in you, but he will not possess you against your will. God's power lives in you, but he will not possess you against your will. You must submit to him. You must yield. But what does Paul say about how we yield? Well, in verses 5 through 8, he says, To yield to the Holy Spirit means to set your mind on the things that the Spirit desires. Notice in those verses, he talks about setting your mind on the things that the flesh desires. If you live according to the flesh, but if you live according to the Spirit, you set your mind on the things that the Spirit desires. This is a a pattern in Paul's letters where he talks about how God changes us by changing the way that we think. God changes us by changing our values, the way that we look at the world, so that we begin to see the world the way that Jesus sees it instead of seeing it through our sinful nature, instead of seeing it in a fleshly a fleshly way. Um, in another place, Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, verse 2. So how do we yield to the Holy Spirit? By letting the Holy Spirit change the way that we think. We'll talk about that in practical terms um, in the next episode, perhaps. What happens when we yield to the Holy Spirit? Well, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us several things. The first thing is the Holy Spirit gives us new life and new power every day. You can see this in verse 11 of Romans 8, where he says, If the, if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Think about that. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you, is living in you to make you, and it's working to make you what God wants you to be, what God desires for you. God is working to change you from the inside out, and it's not light work. This is heavy machinery at work. This, isn't, this is no, uh, no small renovation project. This is major reconstruction that God is doing in your life. Because the power that is alive in you to change you and to make you what God wants you to be is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he does it every day. 
Do you remember manna in the Old Testament where the people of Israel were, were wandering through the desert waiting on God to deliver them and they cried out to God for food? And what did God send them? He sent them bread, manna, this stuff that tasted like bread and honey. And, uh, and, and every morning they would get up and there it was on the ground. Do you remember what would happen to them if they tried to gather more than just one day's worth of manna? Let's say on Monday they decided they were going to gather the whole week's worth of manna so they didn't have to get up early the next day. What would happen to it? It would get rotten. It would rot. It would spoil. And the idea was God is giving them something. God is giving them this new gift, but they have to go out and get it every day. Well, it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. It's the same way with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Every day it's something fresh. Every day it's something new. And it's available to us every day in a fresh new way if we seek it. It's like the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's important we realize that being a Christian isn't a one-time sacrifice. You know, we never get to say to God, I've given myself to you, now I can go about my business and ignore you. Because every day, day by day, faithful obedience is what he calls us to. And as we seek him every day, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is available to us. Every day obedience is important. And small stuff isn't small because it adds up over time. But what that also means is that, that everyday mistakes, everyday failures are also not fatal because every day it's something fresh. Is something new. Second thing Paul says that happens as we yield to the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to crucify the old self, old attitudes and sins and habits. This is the idea of the Holy Spirit liberating us, the Holy Spirit breaking chains and obstacles between you and the life God wants you to have. And this is the primary thing that the New Testament talks about when it talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not health and wealth. It's not speaking in tongues and miraculous gifts. The, the primary thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit makes us new. The Holy Spirit helps us to crucify the old self, the old habits, attitudes, sins, uh, the, the way that we thought, the way that we used to think, the way that we think when we're in the flesh. Freedom from our old way of life, freedom from our sinful nature, and again, this happens as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit's control. He changes the way that we think. We looked at Romans 8, 5 through 8 a minute ago. And you can look back at that, but you can also look at Ephesians 4, and 23. Paul says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. You see what he's talking about there? He's talking about, again, how the Holy Spirit changes us, and it changes us by taking off the old life, cutting away the old life, removing the old way of looking at the world. The old way of looking at the world was corrupted by deceitful desires, he says. Uh, that's a, an, interesting, an interesting thing. We think of uh, deceitful desires, and we think of our desire for sinful things. Uh, the, the King James Bible used to uh, translated that term lust, and that's an unfortunate translation because it makes us think of sex. 
But Paul's not talking about sex here. And Paul is not even necessarily talking about our desires for sinful things here. What Paul is talking about here is how any desire we have can be twisted by Satan into something that dominates us or something that dominates our thinking. One of the things Satan loves to do to us is he loves to take our desires for good things and twist them, pervert them, turn them against us. And so we desire security. And Satan turns that into an obsession with, with, with piling up stuff so that we never have enough and we become selfish or we hoard, we spend what we have on, our, on ourselves. Satan takes our desire for love and he turns it into sexual misconduct. Satan takes our desire for significance, our desire to be seen and heard and valued, and turns it into egotism. See, it's not just your desire for bad things that Satan takes and turns against you. It's your desire for good things that Satan takes and turns against you by exaggerating them, by making them dominant where they shouldn't be dominant. And so we act in selfish ways because we want to be secure. We act in egotistical ways. We act in pride and arrogance because we want to feel like we matter. And Satan has convinced us that's the only way we can feel like we matter. Deceitful desires are not desires for bad things. Deceitful desires are often desires for good things that have been twisted and perverted and turned against us. Paul says, Paul says the Holy Spirit cuts off the old self, puts off the old self, which was corrupted by its deceitful desires, and then it makes us new in the attitude of our minds. Do you see that theme? That's a big theme with Paul. And puts on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I'm going to stop there. The next time we talk, we're going to talk about Romans 12, 1 and 2 which also has some, some strong parallels here. And then I'm going to give you seven practical ways, seven practical things that you can do to crucify the old life and to submit your life to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can make the changes in you that he wants to make. That's our next episode. So until then, thank you for listening. I'm going to let uh, Carthy Masters uh, take us home. Thank you for listening to the Cruciform Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cruciform Pod. Dr. Steph is the president of the Biblical Institute of Zagreb, Croatia. And this podcast is a production of the Biblical Institute.